This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, this is Talking Devils. I'm your host. Um, well, your favourite Manchester United podcast for a start. I should get that one out of the way. That's part of my little blurb at the start. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by Manchester United legend Paul Parker. Paul, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, Wayne. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, I am on still a little bit of a high, to be honest. We're going to be talking over the events of one of the most memorable days Certainly in recent Old Trafford history, I'm not quite sure um, if it's, well, as far as I'm concerned, all of Old Trafford history was a momentous day. Uh, If you're watching live, please like and subscribe and to the channel, really appreciate that. If you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, uh, feel free to get your questions in. As always, Talking Devils brought to you in association with Classic Football Shirts. Um, they've got a range of classic shirts and sportswear online and in physical stores. Um, if you listen to this podcast, you get a 10% discount using TOTD10 at checkout on the, online. Um, recent videos on the website. Last week's show with Phil Marsh and Lee Lawrence, which was on Friday, I hosted that, stood in for Keen Freyney. And Lee talked about coming face-to-face with Ronaldo in his first training session. Um, he said that he went to, because he was a foreign lad, just come in and they just won the youth cup. He wanted to sort of lay down a marker on him. So he went in with a hard tackle on him. Ronaldo flicked the ball over his head and followed it into the top corner. And Lee just looked at the side. He's like, can you sub me off now? I don't want to be on the pitch anymore. Um, so, yeah, that's on the, the channel. Um, please like, like I said earlier, please like and subscribe if you're watching live, if you're... Um, listening back to us on you on um apple podcasts give us um, a nice rating or review as well uh paul let's talk about newcastle where else to begin really but ronaldo um scores two goals the entire day the entire sort of weekend was about him really and it's one of those things where the occasion you're building up is going to be ronaldo returning and then the closer he's getting to kick off i started thinking you know, I'm not quite sure how this is going to go here because um, remember um, Rocky Four, where Ivan Drago comes out to fight Apollo Creed and he looks awkward and you think like, he's been billed as this sort of big mechanical beating machine, but you're still not quite sure how it's going to look once it's in, in practice. And obviously we knew that Ronaldo was a different player to the one that um, left us so 12 years ago. And... Well, it was what it was, basically. I'll talk through um, my version of events and what I thought. But um, he scores two goals. United win four-one. Um, how did you view the the Ronaldo um, the Ronaldo return over the weekend? I just think, long and short, it's one of those moments that was going to happen for Manchester United. Ways yourself, could it go wrong with everything such to build up prior to it? The day. And you're just waiting for something to go wrong. And then when you suddenly see that it's, you know, the Newcastle have got themselves back into it, you start thinking, wow, this this could really go a bit wrong. It wasn't meant to be this way, but there's not many players you can believe that actually maybe I think everyone's hoping that he was going to score, but I don't think I think more people believed it was going to happen and the ones who didn't believe it was going to happen because he's just done that. Every single time, he was mostly most probably the calmest person now, and that mostly includes the people in the stands as well. How calm he would be, I just think it's just there for him. It's just normally I would say that um, to go out there and to play in games, to play more so big games, you should have butterflies in your stomach. But I don't think he gets them. I think he's one of the few who can just go out there and he's he is that calm in a situation, that much belief in his own ability. 
to be perfectly honest, when you're 36 and you're in shape like that and you're going to want to play in every single game, that tells you how much belief he has got himself. Yeah, it was unbelievable, really. Um, the entire day, so I'll, I'll recount the events of the entire day. Outside Old Trafford, you can imagine all, um, Ronaldo shirts aren't numbering everyone else's by. I estimated 10 to 1, but someone else said um, that it might have been 20 to 1, and I wouldn't be surprised. Um, before we get going with uh, more information, Mike says, just a quick hello, gents. Off to teach. We'll watch later. Viva Ronaldo still buzzing. Um, yep. Yeah. It's kind of that kind of morning. So the um, the day itself, so you, you rock up, everyone was like going mad there. We decided to get in early um, because obviously just to see what it was like, really, the atmosphere. And it was very much like Eric Cantona's return in 1995. The, the sort of build-up for it has been manic. Um, he gets named in the team, which was the first thing, the murmur from the stands. Even the stewards were sort of like, is Ronaldo in? Is Ronaldo in? You know, you could hear the buzz around. You know, because obviously the team sheet gets announced before it gets read out um, by Alan Keegan, who must have been practising that like Bruce Buffer for about two weeks. I saw him after the game and said, like, you must have been practising that one. Um, but yeah, he, um, so yeah, he gets announced at two o'clock. Everyone then is buzzing. And the, the warm-up, like, everyone was waiting for him to come out for the warm-up. Um, and United was sort of delaying. I don't know what happened, but um, they were... They came out for the warm-up a little bit later than Newcastle, like quite a lot later, actually. Um, but they came out, obviously, there's massive buzz around when they saw him. Um, I think he was a bit taken aback by that. You know, obviously, this is a guy who's been in front of every atmosphere. But even when he was at Real Madrid, you can remember those early years, they didn't really take to him very much. You know, they were booing him because he wasn't Raul. And even at Juventus, I think it's a bit colder. I'm not saying Italian atmospheres are unbelievable, but it's a little bit colder in terms of the relationship with the players. Um, they've always got to have this sort of, you've got to prove yourself before, um, which, you know, you can understand that's Italian football all around. They don't immediately take you to the heart. Um, so I think Ronaldo always had that kind of detachment. So coming back to Manchester, and maybe I'd just like to think that as a United fan, you know, that it was a bit romantic, but he seemed a little bit... It's funny he said that about he was probably the calmest man in the stadium. Because he said afterwards that he was feeling a little bit nervous. And I think that's that was the reality aspect of it. You know, like, all right, the circus is there. It's all, everyone's in town. But can he do what he normally does in association with this Manchester United team? Which, you know, on Saturday still looked to have its... Um, his problems, to be honest, it looked very much like a Manchester United performance that we've seen over the last few weeks and months, but with the Ronaldo guarantee of goals on top. It's very, very interesting to see that. Um, but I thought the, the biggest thing that you've seen from Ronaldo in terms of how he's been written off in the last few weeks has been, oh, he, he doesn't have the legs, you know, he's 36, he's not going to be as athletic as he was, but he's still more athletic than most. And you saw that with the second goal. I'm not saying that he, he out-sprinted um, his marker, but he, he got there in front of him. He did go past him. And that's what, you know, his athleticism got him the second goal. And I think that's what made that one such a thrill, really, that, you know, you're looking at him and thinking, this is not a million miles away from the Ronaldo that we saw um, back in the day. And really, that's the thing, isn't it, Paul? I mean, we'll get to talking about the actual match in a moment, but... If what we've got from Ronaldo now is a, a different player to the one that we had before, he might even, I'm not saying, oh yeah, I'm going to say he might be better than the one that we let go. If you know, if, if his timing of runs is better, if his experience of um, getting shots away is a little bit better, um, he might actually be. I'm not, we'll talk about how that tethers with the United side in a moment, but as an individual player, he might even be better than the one that um, we let go all that time ago. He's definitely a, a more intelligent player than the one that left. I remember watching Ronaldo in his first game and I think he frustrated everybody, including the players on the pitch, because he just wouldn't deliver. He just kept wanting to do his tricks and get going and going. And it took him a long, long time to yeah. unwind and start becoming becoming a player that left Manchester United as a superstar. So this time he's come back a more intelligent player, maybe not the quickest, but still quicker than most players in the Premier League. He's definitely physically stronger and he's braver. And he wants, more than anything, he wants to prove himself as good as what he was before. And that's not a bad thing to have. To be honest, that's a great thing to have. Rather than just coming back 
and turn around and saying, well, I'm okay. This will be fine for me. Yeah, everyone loves me. He actually wants to go and prove that he's come back a better player, a more intelligent player, a player who wants to go out and will still win things. So just, I think he's still give it a little while and you could see him showing his frustrations with other players who have maybe who he will, who he will start believing haven't got the same ambitions as him because he's he hasn't just come back just to finish off and you know and be around the man who he respects the most in football in Sir Alex he actually wants to win things at Manchester United again because he wants everything that goes with that yeah, um, the, the game itself, so Newcastle, um, they were there to spoil the occasion. Um, we talked last week that they weren't going to come and make up the numbers. They, they need results and everything like that. But it was very odd. The goalkeeper, Woodman, was time-wasting in the first 10 minutes. He did it twice. I reckoned, because um, I was watching, like, obviously, you notice it's happening and you're thinking, oh, God, like, they were genuinely trying to spoil the occasion. And, I, and there's a double aspect to that as a as a home fan as a United fan you're getting frustrated but you almost kind of respect what he's trying to do you know he's trying to kill the occasion he's trying to say no you know he probably had more time on the ball than anyone in the first half even accounting for the stoppages I, I thought there should have been at least five minutes on and when the um, referee put two up and we scored inside the two there was a part of me hoping that we'd scored after the two just to wind him up do you know what I mean it, it got to that extent but they were there they did spoil um i think what they did really well in newcastle is when united were committing a lot of men forward they were pressing very very high um and they were controlling a large portion of the game um, they dominated both up both offs without looking fantastic um but they were compressing the game quite high up and newcastle was springing because we've got players like shaw and maguire and both of those were caught out for the goal um, and didn't make, they didn't really help Varane really, but where they were pushing high, Newcastle knew that they could spring on the counter, and they were doing that very well, um, and they should have probably scored another goal, certainly in the first half, because they, they created a couple of chances like that, so they they had a game plan, they, they came to get a result, but I think in the second half, um, maybe the, the occasion once Ronaldo scored the second because they'd only just equalised, but United hit back straight away. So obviously when they equalised and the first half was so laborious, I was thinking for a minute, are United going to have enough to get another goal here? Because that was very hard going in the first half. But Ronaldo obviously proved the difference. And I think then that's when the occasion got to Newcastle because the space started to open up. They still they were still game. They still went for the, for the equaliser again. But the space started to open up where Pogba and Fernandes could influence the game a little bit more. And um, I think that's the key for me now. There's a lot of different players to watch. I thought Greenwood was quite well. I thought it was good Schadenfreude as well that the goalkeeper spilled for, for Ronaldo's goal after that. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. In every normal situation, you don't want to see a goalkeeper make an error. But on that occasion, I did. I'm glad that he did. No, I didn't want to see him make an error, but I'm glad that he did and that he would contribute to his sort of downfall, really. Um but yeah, um, apart from that, I thought United deserved to win. They were very comprehensive. I don't know about a 4-1. Um, it was like the occasion. Like I said, probably got their 3-1, probably a little bit fairer. Um, Fernandez scoring and then Lingard scoring at the end. Um, and like I said earlier, I think there was two parts to the game. United playing like United normally do and not always being fantastic. But then the Ronaldo guarantee on top of that, which is either one or two goals. Paul, I wanted to ask you about that because if, if United play like that, if they play in the way that they always have, but you've got this added bonus of Ronaldo's individualism that can create something out of, of nothing and score a goal or two every game, considering there's an improvement in defence, Ram was very good once again, considering that we haven't done anything in midfield, Sancho still feeling his way in, there's a good chance there that United could improve um, on what we saw last season. I, I wasn't 100% that we'd see a massive improvement, but now after that, still accepting that it was a bit disjointed, but thinking it's going to be disjointed, but Ronaldo's guarantee on top of that. Um, it's a bit odd, isn't it? But I mean, it might be a good thing. Yeah, I I see the, there's a big difference. You've got, you've got Ronaldo now, who's suddenly, who has now come back to United and he's added another category to his um to his game. He's a, he's a goal poacher. And that's what he's about from the first goal. 
I don't think he would have scored that many in that. He would have not been in that position. He would have been wider. He was. You wouldn't have seen so many times central for Manchester United. Maybe in the latter, the latter of his time at United, his first spell, and when he would, he started to play more central, and he that he was he was adding more to his game. And that's the reason why Real Madrid come for him because all of a sudden he went from someone hugging the touchline to somebody who was comfortable with the ball all over the park and played at a tremendous um, tempo. But I just look at it and I think, are they, are they going to, you don't want them to go to the position of being reliant and just be seen as a one-man team. It's Manchester United. They're a team, not a one-man team. So you don't want to be relying on goals from Ronaldo when your midfield are not creating a lot and your defence is giving away sloppy goals as they gave away yesterday. And, and defensively, they're too slow with the ball from coming out the back. They're not getting into midfield quick enough to go through. So there's, those elements have still got to be looked at. Ronaldo should be the cherry on the top, but the cherry on the top shouldn't be something that you rely on week in, week out to get you out of trouble because you're spluttering along and teams are getting a lot, lot of time in possession. I mean, it's you look at somebody looked at Liverpool yesterday against Leeds. And they dominated the midfield. It was strong in the final third, as you would expect with the talent they've got. But they dominated the midfield against Leeds. <clears throat> and that's what you want United to do. United should have been doing that against Newcastle. Should have been dominating Newcastle in midfield. Should have had the better midfield with the ball and, and without the ball as well. That's the, way that, that's the way you play if you want to achieve anything. And they, they just don't do that. Teams can still play against them quite easily. And I... I'll say it again, United's midfields, there is better midfields in the Premier League than what Manchester United have got. One, because of maybe personnel, but two, more importantly, is, is maybe the, the way they set up doesn't make yeah. them strong enough. Now, I said something to someone the other day and they agreed with me, is that if you were to put Socek and Declan Rice and fit those two into Manchester United's midfield at this moment in time, with current form, they would improve Manchester United's midfield. Because yeah. I saw that when West Ham played Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace, their game plan was to dominate those two and stop them timing the ball and not allowing them, Suchek, Suchek, sorry, to get into the box. And, and Declan Rice to get time in the ball to make those long, long-busting runs with it. And they, they worked really hard, Palace, and they got themselves in fear. They should have beat West Ham um, before the internationals. But they did that and they worked really hard at it. United's midfield is quite easy to deal with. Teams yeah. that find it easy to close them down because they're not getting the ball quick enough. They don't play quick enough. So they need to sort that bit out. And as well as you've got Ronaldo up top, there's still problem, <clears throat> problems which could cause them in the cause cause sorry, cause them problems in the bigger games against the better teams. Yeah, I think that's to me the, the big issue. I mean, Matic and Pogba were better than Fred and Pogba. Uh, Matic showed um, a lot of good through passes. Like He was breaking those lines with good passes, but he was being caught out of position sometimes. Um, Pogba and Matic sometimes chase for the same ball. It's funny that um, we've gone back to that midfield. I, I know that it was a bit of an emergency for Ollie over the weekend because of the Fred situation and the fact that McTominay is not there. So that was the, the situation that he found himself in. But it's funny that that's a midfield that's maybe four years in the making. Matic and Pogba, they were meant to be together and then it's never worked. And um, Don't get me wrong, it's not awful, but I think United need better than awful to, to be, um, better than not awful, I should say, to, to be challenging for the title. And I think that's the tightrope that we're on at the moment. And I don't know if it just means it's going to be a crazy ride until um, the end of the season or until January when we can get that midfielder in. Or if McTominay comes back and he can get this partnership with Pogba to control in the park. I mean, don't get me wrong, like I said, Matic, I thought, was very good um, in aspects of the game, but then he was getting caught out. For the goal, um, yeah, Shaw and Maguire were sort of attracted to the ball across the pitch where they perhaps shouldn't have been. But I think at that moment in time, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the occasion. Maybe they'd looked at it 1-0. They're, they're there to be killed off. They were just pulled out of position a little bit like well, as Newcastle was sort of dropping back again, it's kind of like, were they trying to commit in order to sort of con 
continue dictating the tempo of the play. Because to be fair, although um, we weren't brilliant, we were put we were doing that well. Do you know we were compressing the, the play pretty well, and maybe they, they just committed. Um, but they're, they're oh, everyone's learning. Sean and Maguire obviously not learning to play together now. They know how to do that. They've played together for club and country. Um, and and it was a bit of a silly error that they sort of made for that for their equaliser. But in terms of the midfield, all of those dynamics are going to be sort of learning to get to know each other really now. Um, with with everything that's in front of him, um, with if Pogba's going to be playing in the middle, I thought Pogba was good again. Set up, I think he was involved in two two of the goals. Set up one of them, moved for Lingard for his goal at the end. Um, obviously, Fernandez's goal speaks for itself. I don't want to give him a disservice here by not really talking about it. So, um, let's a, a brief word on Fernandez's goal, Paul, because um, it's just one of those, isn't it? They, they did well to fashion the space, and once he has the space to do that, um, it's, it, it sounds like I'm doing him a disservice. It's not a surprise that he scored a goal like that. No, but I think he's earned the right to score that, and the way that United played, he was always trying to play through all the time, all going a little bit intricate. So what happens in the end is the team the team suddenly keeps dropping off and dropping off because they know what's coming next and they're giving you time. And they yeah. never closed him down. They believed he was going to look for a little pass. <clears throat> and he didn't look for a little pass. And to be honest, he struck that ball and he doesn't normally strike him like that because he's struck straight through the ball. Normally he's looking to use his instep and looking to curl it. And he hit it in a different way. And it's actually quite strange, really, as well, is that we've been going 20 minutes and it's only the first time we've mentioned Fernandez. <laughs> that, that tells you at the moment in time there's, there's a new kid in town. So yeah. <clears throat> things have changed at this moment in time. So it is good when you can do that, when you look at somebody who's been so influential for a season and a half, and then someone else comes in, takes a little bit of the, um, <clears throat> takes a little bit of the limelight, but can get Fernandez and get him going and get those two going at the same time and everyone just get, you know, bond better. That's the bit they're missing. They're still, they're still not right. It just still doesn't look right. I still look at the back line. I look at Luke Shaw. He's looking to run forward far too often. You look at now what he's you're getting now as a, as a front six or whatever those players yeah. are. You want to get the ball to them as quick as possible not run it all the time into that space or if said, just give it to the likes of um, Mason Greenwood, give it to the Fernandes, go from there. And if you have to sometimes create space for them, then overlap them. We'll see Harry Maguire keeps running and running and running into cul-de-sacs and just give a, a, a ball, which he could have done three, four seconds earlier to yeah. shift the ball up quicker. And then, then you're kind of putting the onus on the team. But if you keep running and running, you're like, you know, you've got flies to jam in the end. Yeah. You, and they, what they do is they force him on his left side, knowing that he can't change the play of his left foot so you can close him in. It's very, very predictable. He does it He does it for England as well. And as much as say, people come out and say he's good on the ball, he's willing to run, run with the ball. No, you don't see top centre-halves doing that. They get it and they pass it early. And then they might get it back if they've shifted forward a few yards, but they don't run and run and run into blind alleys as many times as what Harry Maguire does. Yeah, there, there were a couple of occasions like that on, on Saturday. Um, one way you're thinking, we could have literally done that 10, 10 seconds earlier. Yeah. Um, Mama puts in a comment here, Shaw and Wambasaka really have to train crosses, technique and timing. Yeah, there was a couple of moments like that. Um, and that looked like good crosses if only someone was on the end of them, but they were no one was near him. So then he's like, is it the technique of the cross or is it the technique of or is it just wanting the player to get into the position and sort of finding out the, the movement of a world class striker like we've got now? Um they seem to do quite well with Cavani last season. Um that's another point I was gonna bring up actually, because Lingard comes on. Good move for the goal. They've worn Newcastle down basically at the end and and woke the ball in in a way. Um I was going to ask you about this, Paul, because it came to me when, when Lingard came on and everyone's sort of like, oh, Lingard again. But I look at the players who came off and you've got Sancho and Greenwood. Um, obviously, Greenwood stayed on. But these are wide players who stop the play and then go for the kill. They're both a bit like that. Um, and I'm not criticising them. That's their style. 
but when Ronaldo was successful at United, Rooney and Tevez were like little um, Tasmanian devils around him, and it created a lot of space. And he doesn't have those players around him. Maybe Cavani, but Cavani's got selfish movement in a good way again. But these are different sorts of players. Am I getting a little bit too concerned here? Because the point I'm making about Lingard is Lingard is a little bit busier. He's not. Um, he's not someone who's going to stop. He will make runs around. To um, you know what I mean? He's going to make the runs around to try and create that kind of space. But is it a point? Um, to say when we were talking earlier about Ronaldo having changed as a player, that maybe it doesn't matter. It's just a matter of adapting to the players who are with him rather than thinking, me being too concerned that he doesn't have those players, that many players doing the running around him. If you see the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, I see the point you're trying to make, Wayne. And I said this um, <clears throat> last week when we talked about Ronaldo. Ronaldo has got this way of playing now. He's He's had to change his style to suit the way his body shape is and the physicality side of things now. Um, every time when you get in those areas now, they should be crossing the ball in early. You don't, yes, regularly look for a head all the time. You, all you do generally is hit areas and it's up to people to, to get across in those areas. The one to the near post, pull it the right height and someone gets across the front of the goalkeeper. All those, all those old adages come in. But when you get there and you don't deliver, that's what would frustrate Ronaldo when he makes those runs because he doesn't want to have to go out and start again. If you've got an opportunity to deliver, now you've got someone like Ronaldo, and has been mentioned in front of me, one of, one of the best ball headers, headers of all time. We haven't seen many in, in my time as good as him. As many years back when we talked about sending forwards being great in the air, yeah. people who were like that, you know, you look at United and many moons, you would have talked about Frank Stapleton, wouldn't you? Yeah. That's one of his great strengths. It was all about timing and bravery. Ronaldo's is, is surpassed that because he's how many goals and the way the way you when I say the bravery side of it, it's the way he that the ball doesn't hit his head. His head hits the ball. Yeah. He attacks the ball with so much aggression when he heads it. It's incredible. So they have to deliver the ball that bit quicker. And when you're talking about someone like Sancho, you go and get a Sancho and you say to yourself, right, and you watched him those little montages. I've seen him seen him playing for Dortmund. Everything, it's not early balls. It is all head down, intricate, trying to little one-twos, getting to the six-yard box. It's like a, it's another version of Sterling, the way he plays. And if I talk about one of the one of the best centre-forwards United have had in, during my time is Mark Hughes, he would go absolutely mad if the ball doesn't come in early. He used to have so many fallouts of Andre because Andre just sometimes wouldn't deliver in the end. And he virtually one time just went face-to-face to him and he just took the ball and he just went, ball, ball, me, inbox, ball, cross. And Red is, oh, yes. Yeah. No, but it's, um, Clayton Blackmore told me the similar story of the 80s where they, the, the centre forwards get frustrated with um, Olsen and Strachan because they'd be deliberate as they'd stop. Mm. And the point is, yeah, it's good for um, the the players, it's good for the fans to see the kind of tricks and everything like that but it becomes a point where it's as unpredictable for your teammates as it is for the opponents and when it's yeah. that, it's not good enough No, it's not, Ronaldo is very similar that, similar to that himself as well he's it's very similar to that himself when he first started yeah. he was doing that checking back and it looked great, some of the fans loved it but I think a football fan was kind of going, well hold on a minute there, look at <laughs> We've got two players spare in the box. Just cross it. Just hit an area. We've got yeah. someone who can make runs and cross, you know, as much as people, you know, everyone now is going mad when they do the analysis and talk about the movement of this and look what he's doing there. That only ever works if that person knows the ball's going to be delivered. So great that you can go on the inside of a defender when he's trying to defend across. But then you, if you go inside, the defender's going to drop off he's going to hold because he's thinking if I lift the cross it is offside but say he doesn't cross it then and then if I wait he's going to he's going to I'm going to have to go back in it's going to play him onside so that movement of the that movement on the forward causes a problem to defender because he's going to have to work his brain as well as, the, well as his feet and if that ball comes in early if he makes that run over your left shoulder as to be defending across on the right then all of a sudden you're going to try and get across the front of him without even knowing 
as Ronaldo does. He comes around the other side and gets across the front of you. But you will always, people always talk about the movement of a, of a striker, but it's not, the, everything stems from the cross. They always, always say it doesn't matter what foot it is, whatever you do, an early cross is still always every child's going to be a good cross because the defenders are not prepared for it. The moment you go back and forth and then cross it, you're actually loading, loading it for a centre-half to come out and just go bang. Centre-forwards don't want to do that when balls come in facial up because they're going up against, as during my time, meet, a lot of meathead centre-halves who were, who were head ball and your head. So you put an early cross in, you could be five foot seven up against six foot two. The, sh- the early cross and the movement will always, always beat height. Always yeah. beat height. Doesn't matter how big someone is. If you're jumping, if you're on the standings, someone's standing. And when I play, all the time I play, the moment the big fella's standing still, I've got myself my yard or two, I've got my rum. And I always beat the big fella because they're standing still. When anyone moves, doesn't make any difference about height. Movement will always beat someone who's, who's on a standing jump. Yeah. Always. Always. Yeah. And that's why the likes of Harry McGregor, Harry McGregor, Harry McGregor, <laughs> Harry Maguire, when you see him, you watch him, when he's off the spot, doesn't he doesn't win a lot, does not win a lot. But any time he, he can get a run, and that's why you see people pulling people in the boxes now yeah. to stop the run. They block the run. I used to stand on people's toes. Just to block, just to block the run, and the moment they concern themselves with about the toe and want to maybe give me a slap round the head, sorry, they've missed that moment. I've I've gone and won the ball because they're looking down, questioning what I've done to them. Next time around, you have to be a little bit careful because he wants to get his own back. But that's the game. So an early cross is always better than a deliberation. That's why Sancho has to change his game, playing a different style. Mason Greenwood is easy because he's learning every time and. And you will see that he will just knock balls in. If he's on the right-hand side, he'll swing in early ones across with his left foot. Sancho is the one, especially if he's coming off that left side, he's the one who's going to have to maybe change a little bit, change his way of playing. And, and that's what it is. If you go to a different club's buy because they like what you do, they buy you off your strength of what you're doing. But sometimes you have to go a little bit and play to the strength of that football club. Yeah. I, I will say about Sancho is that he's... Um... I think he created a few for, well, obviously, that's created a lot of assists last season. So it's not like he doesn't do that. And I think he, he had a good partnership with Haaland. So we'll see. We'll see if he can get that partnership. I think you're absolutely right about um, size and, and the running jump and momentum and everything like that. Because, I mean, you mentioned Mark Hughes earlier. He, he wasn't any slouch. Chicharito, only like 5'9, and he was excellent in the air. Dwight York wasn't the tallest, and he was mm-hmm. magnificent in the air. So, yeah. Um, and it, well, it's already been said, Manasini said it a couple of times about Ronaldo. You know, he's just well, he's got that presence as well. Do you know what's really good as well? And I know we've, we've banged on about Ronaldo, but maybe it's that kind of show it's going to happen. He has that totemic presence in the middle of the park, you know, like um, a little bit like Eric did. You know, it's different because you're a player and you played on the park with Eric, but as a fan, when you watched Eric play. It was like basically like a beacon in the middle of the park. It's, it's, it's the way that we've talked about this before. It's not necessarily the fact that he was the tallest because he wasn't always the tallest, but the way that he carries himself, he looks like he's the conductor of everything. And Ronaldo has that kind of stature through who he is and the way that he carries himself. So, I mean, it's just it's great. It's the belief, Wayne. That's what it is. Yeah. It's a belief. It's as simple as that. You stand up, shoulders back, and that's, and that's what... Eric Dunn, and that's what players with that kind of arrogance, they do that because they've got belief in their own ability in that sense. And it's virtually just saying, I'm here, give it to me. Those kind of players want the ball in tight areas. You have to give it to them because there's a good chance you know they can do They can win your games of football, so you happily give it to them. And that's what the players have got. That's why you need the right players when those players are around. Because if you've got the wrong players, they're going to take it personally. If you've got the right players, they will just give it to them knowing they're going, to win, they're going to win them games. They're going to get them to the to bigger challenges in the game, and that's what they like to. Win. That's why United United have sat um, signed Ronaldo. It's not a guarantee, but it's not get you closer to going and achieve achieving what you want to achieve. Yeah, um, certainly going to be an enjoyable journey. If the um, frenzy around Old Trafford on on Saturday is anything to go by, 
Um, a couple of comments before we move on to the next point. Um, CR7 wash hands. I don't know if that might be an emoji that's popping up around. I don't know what that is, but we'll wash hands of him to move on to the next reference anyway. Um, he's a reference point, I think, for the opposition to Momosini saying, yeah, and yeah, there's that, what we are saying earlier, that maybe, to, and we've said it on earlier podcasts as well, maybe it will be the figurehead that allows Pogba and Fernandez a little bit more room to breathe and, and cause damage. Um, it certainly seemed that way on Saturday. Um, Newcastle were valiant in what they did, but eventually Fernandez got a goal and Pogba had an involvement in a couple and then Ronaldo scores a couple. You can't say that that's going to be sustainable for every game, every season, but that's very... Considering that they were so um, spoilery with the way that they tried to play, that um, I think that's very promising because especially the last goal with the way that we played, um, to, to play Lingard in there, um, that's the kind of goal that we didn't score a lot of, that we haven't been scoring a lot of. So it's kind of saying, no, maybe these teams that have got that low block, maybe we've got so much great movement now around players. As long as they do move, that is going to cause a lot of damage because movement's the key. You said it earlier, movement is the key. Um, players who stand still, and we've got a few of them. Um, so it just doesn't um, endanger opponents. It doesn't scare them, really. Um, let's talk about uh, young boys then. Champions League qualifier group stage first group stage game of the of the season we had a, a difficult time in a couple of the away games last season um istanbul notably was the one where we fell apart but we've played against the young boys before i think it was the Mourinho era, era where we were am i just thinking about it wasn't it wasn't it am i correct in saying that david de Gea made a save at the end of the game i forgot his right hand side at the strip event but had that gone in would have been Knocked out the Champions League. Yeah, uh, the the away game we we controlled. Pogba scored. Yeah. Um, I think Pogba scored a belter in the away game. But in the yeah. home game, it was yeah. right near the end. Pogba uh, De Gea with one of the best saves I've ever seen. That uh, the yeah. way they scored it back. Um, yeah, absolutely incredible save. So it shows they're not going to be afraid to take us on. They're emboldened mm. by the fact that they came to Old Trafford um, and and nearly got a result. Um, they're going to feel like they well the occasion Ronaldo will probably play some part on Tuesday, whether or not this will be the occasion where Solskjaer says that we'll just give it like a, a bit of a, a, a more gentle introduction. We'll put him on the bench because I think mm. that's the thing is about economy. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. He wants to play every game, but there might be that kind of thing where... Um, he wants to score. He, want, he, wants, he wants Champions League goals. He wants them. So that'd be an interesting one. Interesting. Yeah, um, Mama Cena, we can feel the impact Ronaldo's presence has in Bruno's goal. Exactly, yeah, two defenders should close him down with a panic in. Um, absolutely, that's what that's what he does. Um, what, what do you think of United? Do you reckon we've got a, I mean, the Ronaldo hysteria aside, in fact, no, not aside, let's include it in. Do, are United going to benefit from that against young boys in the same way that we kind of did against Newcastle, the fact that, you know, they're all going to be concentrating on Ronaldo as long as the other players sort of um, put this sort of um, the shift in like we did against Newcastle. Yeah, I just think he's got such a presence. I think he makes a difference to, to other teams as well. To have him out there, so you, you know, to have him sitting on the bench, I think other teams, I think it lifts other teams if you suddenly see him sitting on the bench and then you have to bring him off, you have to then put a cape on his back and he comes out to say the day kind of snow. You need a little bit more than that if you're Manchester United, and that's why I don't think Ronaldo. I think Ronaldo will want to start the game, and I think you've got to go at the game rather than try and just only you know and believe that you're going to go out there and build, get something something to sit on rather than if it doesn't, you can end up chasing the game and then having to bring people on. It's not the, my opinion. It's not the way to do it, but it seems to be a trend in football now. The fans want to see Ronaldo. The fans want us, they want United to guarantee, you know, to get Champions League, you know, get the knockout stages a lot earlier than what they have been doing. They've been poor in college, yeah. you know, in the Europa League as well. There's been some poor, poor, poor performances, poor results, and they want to better that. It gives you that gives you belief that things are going down the right path, and yeah. that's what they've got to go and do now. When you make a signing like they've got and made, you've got to go and get on the back of it, not use it. As like could be a marketing tool, use it as a as the most the biggest thing of all is to go and give yourself the best chance of winning trophies. Yeah, um, I think that's uh, maybe 
a couple of our own players are a little bit in awe. You've seen that the, the sort of first week of him being around the club, it's like every player seems keen to get a selfie with him and put it on their social media, which is like, a, do you know what I mean? Just let that die down a little bit and now learn to use this player that you've got um, and, and sort of get to know him. Uh, Ra puts a good point in there. Glad to see Lingard scoring. And my word, Varane is a brilliant centre-back. And yeah, do you know what? Um, that the, Varane, the fact that we're not really talking about Varane um, says how well he's been doing in in the couple of games that he's played. He was magnificent against uh, Wolves, and um, I thought it was very good on, on Saturday as well. But you know, like I think Paul said it numerous times on previous podcasts that Lindelof plays with a clenched fist, and Varane's and the the typical term is Rolls Royce for him, and he's completely unflustered, and and that's the perfect way to describe him. Um, yeah, so um, Mamacina, Champions League is Ronaldo's fixation. He'll spill his guts for it, Paul said. That. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's, it's his sort of playing ground, isn't it, really? And that's the, the global stage where he's going to be wanting to say. I mean, yeah, maybe I'm saying um, the idea of resting him, but it's just conversation. <laughs> I really think he's going to start, and if he's going to be rested, it'll be in the home game, one of the fifth game or something. Mm. You don't rest him in, in the away games, he'll be there. Um, Lingard really has a benefit to the team in every sense. Yeah, yeah, I think it's one of those where Paul, what do you think? I mean, we've got Lingard now, different kind of player to the ones we've got in the forward line. Dare we say it? Dare we say it? Because I don't want to be having a pop at a player just because he's gone. But maybe Lingard's more useful to us than what Dan James would have been. Yeah, oh, yeah, um, I would say 100% on that, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah, Dan James <clears throat> wouldn't have been. Any use to United this season? I just think it's, it was just the club. Just it wasn't him for the moment. You know, you know, he, he had a fantastic start, but he just wasn't a player. And you look after, you look for the second season, and then you're looking for that little bit more to gain a little bit. You know, to get a little bit of education. And he, his game hadn't moved on, and it wasn't going to move on. You can see players, <clears throat> excuse me, getting frustrated with him. None more so than um, Fernandez. You could always see him virtually trying to coach him on the pitch. Which is which is not good, really. Yeah. And, you know, you can give people rollickings. You can have an opinion, as the likes of Roy and NC used to give 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 out rollickings. The likes of Robbo would talk to you in a manner that you'd want to get it right quickly because it was Robbo. <clears throat> but um, yeah, Dan James wasn't gonna. He just wasn't going to be a Manchester United player. And by saying that, I mean he was never going to be a regular. So he needed, for his own sake, to move on. You've yeah. just seen so many players who have, who, who have struggled after when they've been through a, a, a poor time. They get judged and they needed to move on quite quick. So he's done that. Some could say the frying, frying pan into the fire, going to Leeds as a Manchester, ex-Manchester United player, but fair play to him. It's quite, it's quite a, a brave move, but he's gone to another he's gone to another big club with expectations, lots of expectations, but I think if anyone watched it yesterday, they've got a long, long way to go because there's still things off the pitch which is affecting stuff on the pitch. And I think that's financially more than anything for a club of that standing. They are struggling. And I think this season is going to be really, really tough for them and for Dan Jones. Yeah. Um, all right, so we'll move on finally to the West Ham game at the weekend. Um, West Ham have come on leaps and bounds under David Moyes. He's doing a really good job there. And it's good to see. Um, you know, yeah, all right, he's a sort of caricature in United history at the moment, but um, by all accounts, a nice guy, good coach. It's good to see, um, that especially after they sacked him and he went back there, that he's doing such a good job. But United, um, should be feeling quite uh, positive about going there, considering that Antonio's suspended and the player of the month last season, um, being such a good player for them, um evolved into this centre forward. He's always done well against us as well, always got a goal against us. So it's um I mean I'm not saying it's going to make it easier. You've talked about the midfield there. Their their midfield is more likely to sort of control the pace of the game than what ours is, um, especially at home. But um it might be a better time to play well, definitely a better time to play them without Antonio than with him. Yeah, I mean Antonio does make a difference and he's um, he had that game against Leicester where he was absolutely fantastic against Leicester. Incredible performance. And then I saw him against Crystal Palace where he scored a, a scored a hell of a goal. 
because it goes in at the keeper's near post, but Mac moved his left foot as well. Generally, that could have gone anywhere, to be perfectly honest. He's one of those players, he's, you know, there's, there's no grey area. It's either very good or it's poor. So um, they will miss the bit he does because he's when he gets on that shoulder, that last man, you, the West Ham fans, you can see him get off their seats. They just know that something there's something in the offing here. So they're going to miss that bullish side of him. Um, they've, they've gone out and they've signed another. I don't know if he's a number 10 or Valich. I don't know. They've just signed somebody. Um, at least another. Was he a Russian? I'm not sure. <clears throat> or Ukrainian. I'm not sure where he's from. But they've just signed a couple of players in the last week or so. But it's still going to be difficult. It's going to be, I'll state the obvious, it's going to be a sellout and it's going to be a serious, noisy affair. You know, it would be United will obviously fill their end, not a problem. There'll be United fans all over all over the stadium as well. It's going to be a hell of an atmosphere again because Ronaldo is going to again make the difference. He's coming to West Ham. They would love to they would have loved that game to be in Upton Park. So that then they would have felt they was right on top of him as well to really get out and test him. But you know, and if if the honest West Ham fan was to put his hand out, they would say they would look at, they would be looking forward to seeing, like, you know, the Ronaldo's second Premier League game is going to be against them at the London Stadium. They're mostly looking forward to, you know, to see him play. Young kids are going to get the opportunity to watch him live, thinking it was never going to happen. So there is that bit about him as well. So that's, that's the good side of it. The other side of it, you know, he's going to get persecuted verbally, I'm sure, by, by all the fans. But he relishes that as well. He absolutely relishes all of that, those kind of things. And, and I'm looking forward, you know, I'm going to be there as well. So I'm quite looking forward to it as well, to, to watching that game. It's a picture that West Ham just love, really. They love that picture of playing Manchester United at home. Yeah, they've had some good results against us mm. as well in recent years. Although I think we won, we won there last year. But, um, yeah, hope for a repeat this this um, this weekend. Um Mam Senior says, I hope we see our county get attacking and movement improve, speed in picking up forward runs key. I as well give us chances for sure. Yeah, the, absolutely. With I would imagine with them being at home as well, with the crowd being up for it, they're not gonna be happy to see and watch uh, the kind of performance yeah. that Newcastle put in. Um I just ben, saw one, I just saw one. Oh, he's put it back up yeah, again. I'm just about to say about I saw Ben put up there. Yeah, just saw about Sancho. And that, that is a concern because no one's talking about him. No one's talking about now where it's been for the last season and a half, maybe, what, season and a half, two years, it's been talked about this player. Everybody was saying, sign him. I don't think a lot of them saw him, but they were just going off the back of what other people were saying. And he's arrived. He's, he's come through the door, but no one knows where he's throwing his hat and coat yet. No one's actually seen him as such. He's become a little bit invisible. And when he's had his opportunity so far there's been no great impact at the moment and I know that it takes sometimes it takes a bit of time but I think we've got to that point Wayne in football where you don't get much time anymore do you to bed in at a football mm. club before given social media and everything people are starting to look you know start to look for you and I think the fact of Ronaldo arriving is taking the onus off of him so people haven't been concerned themselves about Oh, Sancho, the way he's playing this moment in time, because he he definitely hasn't hit the ground running. Yeah. No, he, I thought he was all right on, on Saturday, um, but um, I think he's in that bubble at the moment where he's protected by the fact that Rashford's not fit. So he's going to have this little safe spot on the left until Rashford's fit and the questions start getting asked. But he needs to improve. And maybe, maybe he will. I mean, he was a little bit better on Saturday, um, his movement was good. He was, um, you know, in the other games, I think he's been a little bit hesitant, a little bit reticent to sort of do show what he can do on the ball. I mean, he seemed a little bit more confident on Saturday, um, but a long way to go from the player that we've seen at Dortmund, and he hasn't been electric. Do you know what I mean? The, the, you, you would have thought for that kind of money, for for the play that we've seen at Dortmund, that you were going to get a player who's going to get you off your seat, and that you're going to be like, oh my god, every time he gets the ball, and and and. To be perfectly blunt, we haven't seen any of that yet. Um, I'm sure it's going to come. Uh, ben just follows on with that point, saying, watching footage of Lee Sharp the other day, so direct, good delivery, forward stream, or what Paul was saying earlier. Yeah, that was Lee. He was definitely a player who was going to do that. 
Yeah, Lee, Lee was the best. When it comes to crossing balls, I think Lee Lee was the, the best by far. The way he could deliver unbelievable balls on the run. And even when he stopped, he stopped still, he could just shift the ball with just a body movement and just get an incredible ball into the box. And, and I imagine he's seen some of those footages. We're talking about Sharpies crossing and the goals that were scored from him. You know, yeah. you know, we, we talk about players of today, but we keep forgetting, you know, yesteryear a little bit when we, you know, football's in four-year cycles now, isn't it? After four years, people forget the previous four years, you know, what's gone on before. But Sharpie was was excellent, excellent. There hasn't been, I don't, I can't think of anyone better since Lee Sharp on a consistent basis and delivering the ball. Yeah, he was magnificent actually. And you think of you're talking there in a team that had Giggs and Kanchelskis in, and, and he was probably the well, not probably. There's no probably about it, especially in that period. Maybe maybe Giggs's delivery improved over time, but in the period where all three of them were playing together, Sharp was the one. If you wanted someone to put a cross in, it was Lee Sharp. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, last comment for for the show today. Uh, Mamacini says we ex- we have players to exact perfect fast counterattacks. Pogba, Bruno, Sancho with long passes. Ronaldo, Greenwood, Martial, Rashford rushing. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, I would say def- definitely in terms of theoretical. Um, but at the moment, it's all sort of like learning to get to know each other again. With the addition of Sancho, with the addition of Ronaldo this different kind of attacking talent that we've got there now. Um, a lot of them should already know each other. We know the sort of qualities and minuses of um, some of those players, don't we, already? Um, but yeah, I'm, after Saturday, I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic about... I mean, the Ronaldo hysteria aside, you're always going to be buzzing to see a legendary player return and score twice, but then you're looking at the actual functionality of it and how does this work? And at the moment, it looks a little bit like oil and water, that where the way that we always are. But Ronaldo's the way that he always is, but it seemed to work on Saturday. It's not always going to be as perfect as that. But um, we'll see how, how that sort of functionality blends over the coming weeks. And obviously, we'll be back next week to talk about um, the games at Young Boys and at West Ham as well. Um, that's it for this week, guys. Thanks for listening and watching. If you watch live on YouTube and obviously um, if you listen back on, on the podcasts, remember TOTD10 is a discount code that you've got classic football shirts if you are listening on the podcast please give us an ash review or rating on apple podcasts and if you're watching on youtube please like and subscribe if you don't already we'll be back next week stay safe stay well and thanks for listening and watching away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.